0: Today's reading is from Isaiah 2, beginning at verse 5. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. You, Lord, have abandoned your people, the descendants of Jacob. They are full of superstitions from the east. They practice divination like the Philistines and embrace pagan customs. Their land is full of silver and gold. There is no end to their treasures. Their land is full of horses. There is no end to to the chariots, Their land is full of idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, to what their fingers have made. So people will be brought low and everyone humbled. Do not forgive them. Go into the rocks, hide in the ground from the fearful presence of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty. The eyes of the arrogant will be humbled and human pride brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. The Lord Almighty has a day in store for all the proud and lofty, for all that is exalted, and they will be humbled, for all the cedars of Lebanon, tall and lofty, and all the oaks of Bashan, for all the towering mountains and all the high hills, for every lofty tower and every fortified wall, for every trading ship and every stately vessel, the arrogance of man will be brought low and human pride humbled. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day and the idols will totally disappear. People will flee to caves in the rocks and to holes in the ground from the fearful presence of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty when he rises to shake the earth. In that day, people will throw away to the moles and bats their idols of silver and idols of gold, which they made to worship. They will flee to caverns in the rocks and to the overhanging crags From the fearful presence of the Lord and the splendour of his majesty when he rises to shake the earth. Stop trusting in mere humans who have but a breath in their nostrils. Why hold them in esteem? See now the Lord, the Lord Almighty, is about to take from Jerusalem and Judah both supply and support all supplies of food and all supplies of water the hero and the warrior, the judge and the prophet, the diviner and the elder the captain of 50 and the man of rank, the counsellor, skilled craftsman and clever enchanter. I will make mere youths their officials. Children will rule over them. People will oppress each other, man against man, neighbour against neighbour. The young will rise up against the old and nobody against the honoured. A man will seize one of his brothers in his father's house and say, you have a cloak." You be our leader, take charge of this heap of ruins, but in that day he will cry out, "I have no remedy, I have no food or clothing in my house. Do not make me the leader of the people." Jerusalem staggers, Judah is falling, their words and deeds are against the Lord, defying his glorious presence. They look on their face, their look on their faces testifies against them, they parade their sin like Sodom, they do not hide it. Woe to them. They have brought disaster upon themselves. Tell the righteous it will be well with them, for they will enjoy the fruit of their deeds. Woe to the wicked. Disaster is upon them. They will be paid back for what their hands have done. Youths oppress my people, women rule over them. My people, your guides, lead you astray, they turn you from the path. The Lord takes his place in court, he rises to judge the people. The Lord enters into judgment against the elders and leaders of his people. It is you who have ruined my vineyard. The plunder from the poor is in your houses. What do you mean by crushing my people and grinding the faces of the poor, declares the Lord, the Lord Almighty. And then we go to verse 2 of chapter 4. In that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious and the fruit of the land will be the pride and glory of the survivors in Israel. Those who are left in Zion, who remain in Jerusalem, will be called holy. All who are recorded among the living in Jerusalem. The Lord will wash away the filth of the women of Zion. He will cleanse the bloodstains blood from Jerusalem by a spirit of judgment and spirit of fire. Then the Lord will create over all of Mount Zion and over those who assemble there a cloud of smoke by day. And a glow of flaming fire by night. Over everything the glory will be a canopy. It will be a shelter and shade from the heat of the day. And a refuge and hiding place from the storm and rain. This is God's word. Good morning everyone. Uh, My name's Matt. Matt Fuller if we've not met.
1: Now if you are just joining us this morning. uh, We're having a little month uh, in um, Isaiah. The first chapters of Isaiah. Chapters 1 to 6. Then have a break. Then we'll come back. And um, just chapters 1 to 5 are pretty bracing, and then chapter 6 is like the sunlight after a week of rain, okay? So make sure you're here for chapter 6, for these are slightly bracing chapters. Let me lead us in prayer, and then we'll jump on in. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, you are glorious and you long for us to see your glory. When we see you rightly, that is when we are at our most human. That is when we are at our greatest. That's when we become all that we should be. And when we ignore your glory is when we shrink and are diminished and enfeebled and less than human. So, Father, again this morning, as we turn to your word, would we see your glory And the folly of trusting in ourselves, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I don't know how much you watched of uh, the scenes in Parliament, particularly on Wednesday night this week. It wasn't great. Uh, Of course, the newspapers deal with this thing slightly differently, so the Times was a headline uh, headline in the Times. Commons hits, boiling point. Or the Guardian, MPs fury with Johnson or the Daily Mail. Furious Boris tells MPs they have a day of reckoning coming. Well, you know, you take your political bias uh, where you want it. Perhaps calmer reflection from one cabinet minister. Mm, We'd have to say to the public, today has not been a good day. (laughs) Well, thank you for your honesty there, even if you were unnamed for saying so. Not great. And then early in the week, uh, Monday, uh, you had the collapse of Thomas Cook had misery, I guess, for many who have lost their jobs and those who were stuck overseas and not sure how they're getting back. Uh, And then anger, as it becomes obvious that over the last 10 years, the chief execs have pocketed 47 million pounds in pay and bonuses. And they're all right by their swimming pools. Thank you very much. And you watch the politics and you hear that, and you look down and you think, chapter 2, verse 22 Stop trusting in mere humans who have but a breath in their nostrils. Why hold them in esteem? And you think, Isaiah, I do not. I do not hold many in power in esteem. The problem is, you and I are humans too. And we can rely on ourselves. Book of Isaiah then, uh, if you're just joining us, written in the 8th century describing how God will take his corrupt people, his people, uh, most commonly referred to here as Judah or sometimes Jerusalem or Zion, always meaning the same thing, God's people here, how he'll take his people, Judah, the nation, from corrupt status to godliness. That's really the essence of uh, the book. We had that big picture in chapter 1. Now in these chapters two, three, four, five, we get a little more detail on what was going wrong. Why were they so corrupt? And essentially, here in chapters two and three, the issue is pride. You probably picked that up as Ellie read it. So, verse nine of chapter two: People will be—excuse me—people will be brought low. Everyone humbled. I don't forgive them. Verse eleven: The eyes of the arrogant will be humbled, and human pride brought low. Verse 17, the arrogance of man will be brought low and human pride humbled. And here in Isaiah 2 and 3, the the Lord says, look, a day is coming when all those who are arrogant will be humbled. The proud will be cast down and everyone will go, oh yeah, God. He's impressive and we're not. That day... Well, we'll have to work out when it is. But that day is referred to uh, numerous times. So I've put the references on your sheet. I won't go through them all. But eight times in the passage that Ellie read, that day. Just an example, chapter 2, verse uh, 11. We've had it. But the eyes of the arrogant will be humbled and human pride brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. Verse 12. The Lord Almighty has a day in store. Verse 17. It'll, all this will happen. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day, in that day, in that day. And it goes on throughout, as I said, the numerous references I've put down. A day is coming. It was coming for Judah then in the 8th century. A day is still coming. And in this passage, Isaiah says, look, four things will happen on that day. We're only actually going to look at three. Um, and um, but I've put them down on the sheet, all four of them. But human pride will be humbled, chapter 2, verse 6 to 22. Godless leaders will be humbled, chapter 3, 1 to 15. We won't look at chapter 3, verse 16 to 4, 1. Self-indulgent ladies, I think that's a, a metaphor for the whole nation, will be humbled. And then finally, the good news. Chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. On that day, God's people will be beautiful. Okay? Four things, we're only going to look at three. On that day. First, then, on that day, uh, human pride will be humbled, chapter 2, verses 6 to 22. Now, I said last time, um, Isaiah was speaking, it's around about the year 745 BC, um, before Christ, you know, so before, you know, years and years ago, for the 50 years up until this point, from around about 795 to 745 BC, it's been great in Judah. Uh, their economy is just zoomed. There's, there's no rival powers in the region, so everything has gone great. They are wealthier now than at any time in their history, bar the time of Solomon. Okay, So this is a real pinnacle in Israel's history in the year 745. So their GDP has been soaring. It's been a bull market for years. Wages have grossly outstripped inflation. It's been terrific. And so your average Joe in Judah says, we've never had it so good it's terrific. At that moment in time, why do you need God when everything is so great? When you got so much money? Why do you need God? Average Joe in Judah was proud. So chapter 2, verse 5. Here's what they're meant to be. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. That's what they're meant to be. We get this said last time, this picture, that there is a pathway through a dark forest. God has said, look, I've put a pathway through the forest of this world. I've lit it. Stay on the pathway. And so, yes, descendants of Jacob, let's walk on the pathway that God has given us. It's the place where we're safe. It's the place where we're secure and and we can call to other people. And other people will come out of the forest and say, Wow, you got it good on the pathway. It's lit, it's safe, no creatures eat us, etc. Stay on the pathway. That's what they're meant to be. But, verse 6 You, Lord, have abandoned your people, the descendants of Jacob. Well, why would God do that? Well, there's a lot of reasons. So verse 6, they're full of superstitions from the east. They practice divination like the Philistines. In other words, you think you can manipulate God through magic? Verse 7, their land is full of silver and gold. There's no end to their treasures. Oh, you got plenty of money in this life, so you don't think you need God? Verse 7, their land is full of horses. There's no end to their chariots. So, oh, thirdly, you think you've got an unbeatable military? And then verse 8, their land is full of idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, to what their fingers have made. You've got your own little gods going on. Well, because of all these things, these false sources of security, you think you could control God? You think you've got a great military? You think you've got plenty of money stored up for life? Well, because of this, well, the Lord will humble you. Verse 9, people will be brought low, everyone humbled. Don't forgive them, Lord. Wow, strong words from Isaiah. Now, verse 10 describes what will happen. Go into the rocks, hide in the ground from the fearful presence of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty. The eyes of the arrogant will be humbled. Human pride brought low, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. That day, well, probably the first times it comes is... a decade or so later, 734 BC, the land of Judah is invaded and humbled. That day comes. But there's a timeless truth here that having power, having money, makes you think, I'm safe. Why would I need any sort of God? I was uh, reminiscing with a neighbor uh, locally uh, this week about... um, Boris Berezovsky, some may remember. it's a Russian uh, oligarch. He was worth about $3 billion uh, at his peak, um, plenty of money. Anyway, he owned loads of property all over London. uh, But he happened to have some offices next door, where we have our offices. Uh, He had a couple of floors, didn't come very often, not really sure what he needed them for, just to sort of, why wouldn't you have some office space uh, in W1 if you've got a portfolio of stuff all over the country? But exceptionally wealthy man. It was very obvious when he was there. Rare, but obvious. Because all of a sudden, parked outside on the double yellow lines would be these two massive black Humvees. He'd park them on the double yellow line because, well, what's a parking bill if you've got billions? I mean, it's just just like putting money in a meter, isn't it? Essentially, if you've got that much money, who cares if it's 160 quid for a parking fine? uh, Cheap. Um, These two massive black Humvees with about a dozen just gorillas, just vast men. I mean, I wanted to get out of measuring. I would say, I'm sure you are wider than you're tall. That's just not physiologically normal. But these vast, brutish men, and they'd always have their uh, earpieces in to communicate with one another or to listen to ABBA, I don't know. But um, (laughs) uh, they'd have their earpieces in. I don't know how, but one or two of them always, because they'd bend over, had guns. And you think, how are you? It's London. How are you allowed to do that? I don't understand how you're allowed to do that. Maybe you're not allowed to do that. Maybe no one wanted to mess with these uh, big guerrillas. And you think, ah, oh, Boris, yeah, yeah, Berezovsky, he's obviously around. I can only think of one occasion where I happened to walk through the lobby at the same time as Berezovsky. And I sort of, is that him? Uh, that's probably him. I was just just trying to work it out mentally and one of the gorillas do not stare. (laughs) You know, sometimes you push back, sometimes you don't. And um, you know, dozen men, big, armed, uh, you don't. But you just think it's just extraordinary. You think you're immune, I'm not even allowed to look at you because you've got so much wealth and power, and yet a year later, utterly humbled, falls out with Putin, his best mate or one of Litvinenko poisoned in his offices, taken to court by another Russian Roman, Abramovich, loses all the money, commits suicide, takes his own life. I have no glee in that at all. It was desperately sad. I mean, when he fell out with Putin, we did write him a letter saying, Dear Boris, you probably made me read this, but maybe now's a good time to think about the Lord and where your security really lies. I uh, never got a reply. Um, but how impressive, how powerful, how intimidating. Tragically, humbled. Now, that is a pretty extreme example of human pride. But if you dial that way back down to normal, you and I, we may think we don't have money, insurance, or security. Or we may think, no, I have got those. I have got some money. I have got some insurance. I have got some security. I have some influence. I have some power. And unwittingly, we live, I don't need the Lord. And you and know, I, we may not have gorillas with guns, but we could easily have weeks with no worship and days with no prayer. And we need to stop trusting in ourselves, because that's the issue, as I too, we trust in human ability and strength. Stop trusting in mere humans, like yourself. 12 to 22, you get the same, the same truth, just another cycle. Uh, it's more metaphorical language, picture language for human pride. So uh, uh, verse 12, the, the Lord Almighty has a day in store for all who are proud and lofty, for all that is exalted, and they will be humbled. Just like the cedars of Lebanon, those are the tallest trees in the region. People go, oh, wow, look at them, they're very tall. Oaks are the strongest, towering mountains, high hills, all fortified places, they'll all crumble. Every ship of Tarshish, your trading ship, that's, that's, that's the biggest ships in the world at the time. Every aircraft carrier worth 50 billion pounds. We've got two, you know. Uh, they'll all sink. That's his point. Verse 17, the arrogance of man will be brought low, human pride humbled. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day, and the idols, the things that impressed you, the money, the wealth, the military, they will totally disappear. Verse 19, the day will come. I don't know what you make of this language. Verse 19, people will flee to caves in the rocks and to holes in the ground. From the fearful presence of the Lord and the splendor of His majesty, when He rises to shake the earth. In that day people will throw away the mold, to the moles and bats, their idols of silver and idols of gold. Everything that's so impressed you, you just cast it down. It's useless now. Verse 19, very striking. God just appears, and everyone goes, "We have been so stupid." We thought we were impressive, and now we're nothing. You know, how do you get your head around that? Here's daft thought experiment. But imagine you're back at the, uh, in ancient Rome at the pinnacle of the empire or, or early days of the empire, and maybe Julius Caesar has just become uh, a ruler. And he sits there and says, here I am, and I've conquered the Gauls, and I've conquered the whole of Europe. And behold the might of Rome, and none can stand before the legions of Rome. And everyone says, you're so right. Look at our city. It is the most beautiful thing the world has ever seen. And our military is unrivaled in the whole of history. And then, just run with it, just run with it, in some crazy historical anachronism. All of a sudden, the skies open and a 21st century army invades. And all of a sudden, the jet planes come. And all the soldiers fall to the floor, And the missiles thud into the buildings and everything collapses to rubble and the people flee. And they flee to caves in the rocks and Julius Caesar and his empire say how stupid we were. We thought we were strong. We had no idea what strong was. And here the people in verse 19, 20, they say, oh, we thought we were impressive. We had no idea how feeble we were. How vulnerable we were! And so, verse twenty-two: Stop trusting in mere humans. Stop trusting in them who have but a breath in their nostrils. I don't think that's. Uh, it may be that the emphasis there is fleeting. Breath comes, breath goes. I, I think it's God gives us breath. That's what it is in the rest of Isaiah, Genesis. Two picture, God breathes, breathes life into humans and God sustains every human life and you can go. Why be impressed with a human? They're only sustained by the Lord. That day came upon Judah, I say probably about a decade or so later. It's the first time the day came upon them. But a day will come when this world is wrapped up. Ended. Again, maybe you find verses 10, 11, this picture of the rocks collapsing, people hiding, or verses 19, 20, 21, maybe you find them a bit brutal. But deep down, I think all of us want the arrogant to be humbled. Of course, we don't say it gleefully, but occasionally it, it, it comes out. I mean, the nasty arrogant, the sort of Harvey Weinstein's, yeah, we want to see him humbled. That, that we do want. People do want that. Uh, on the TV this week, uh, employees of Thomas Cook crying, I don't know what I'm going to do, I don't know how I pay my bills. How do you feel about the chief executive pocketed millions? I want them to come down here and be in my shoes. Yeah, they want. The mighty humbled. There's part of us that wants that. Maybe you look upon the chaos of Parliament and say, I want to see some of those MPs humbled. The Lord will humble the proud, but that does include not just at one end of the spectrum, the sort of super arrogant, it includes all human pride that says, I can trust myself, I don't need a God. I don't need the Lord. So what about you and me? Do you remember the classic, or some will, not many perhaps, but you'd have heard the classic 1966 quote of John Lennon. I say this is no contempt for him. I think it's a fairly typical expression. But 1966, John Lennon, of course, he said, Christianity will go, it will vanish and shrink. I didn't argue with that. I'm right, and I will be proved right. The Beatles are more popular than Jesus now. I don't know which will go first, rock and roll music or Christianity. Oh, John, both are still going. And tragically, you're not. Christianity will go. We have no need for God. And Isaiah says, chapter 2, verse 22, stop trusting in mere humans who have but a breath in their nostrils. Why hold them in esteem? They're only here because God keeps them here. It's true of every hum- individual. Human pride will be humbled. Let's go a bit faster. Uh, chapter 3 then, uh, we move to the godless leaders. They get singled out in particular. Uh, chapter 3, verses 1 to 15, the godless leaders will be humbled. Because it's timelessly true, it's true back then, it's true now in the New Testament era, the leaders of God's people are always judged more severely than everyone else. So chapter 3, verse 1, see now the Lord, the Lord Almighty, is about to take from Jerusalem and Judah both supply and support. Everything is going to go, all supplies of food and all supplies of water, the hero and the warrior, the judge and the prophet, the diviner and the elder, the captain of 50, the man of rank, the counselor, skilled craftsman, and clever enchanter. I'll make mere youths, their officials, children will rule over them. Oh dear. People will oppress each other, man against man, neighbor against neighbor, the young will rise up against the old, the nobody against the honored. The picture, it always happens recurrently in this passage. You get bad leadership, verse 4, then society is corrupted. Always happens that way. The bar for leadership is pretty low, of course, verse 6. A man will seize one of his brothers in his father's house and say, Hey, you got a cloak? You got a cloak. Great, you be in charge. I mean, that's better than any of us. We're, we've got nothing. Uh, I mean, that's a pretty low bar for leadership. You got a coat. You're the new president. You're the new PM. Um, you might do a better job. Who can tell? Uh, to which the person replies, verse 7 oh, I'm not doing it. I have no remedy. I've got no clothes. I've got no food. You got a cloak. I've got nothing. I mean, it's pathetic. You be in charge. I don't to be in charge. Things are a pretty low. Ebb. But again, when leadership is bad, what happens? Verse 8, Jerusalem staggers, Judah's falling. Their words and deeds are against the Lord, defying his glorious presence. They look upon their faces, testifies against them. They parade their sin like Sodom. They don't hide it. Woe to them. They've brought disaster upon themselves. Uh, There is a distinction. Verses 10 and 11. It's Not the same for everyone. Verse 10, to the righteous, it will be well with them for they will enjoy the fruit of their deeds. But verse 11, woe to the wicked. Disasters upon them, they'll be paid back for what their hands are done. The righteous trust the Lord, not themselves. The wicked, they trust in mere humans. But verse 12, here's the problem. God says, i tell you what at the moment, it is as if Children, youths oppress my people, women rule over them, my people, your guides lead you astray, they turn you from the path. The Lord, therefore, verse 13, takes his place in court. He rises to judge the people. The Lord enters into judgment against the elders and leaders of his people. It's you who have ruined my vineyard. The plunder from the poor is in your houses. What do you mean by crushing my people and grinding the faces of the poor? declares the Lord. The Lord says to the leadership of his people, it's your fault. Chapter 2, verse 5, come descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. That's what they're meant to be. But chapter 3, verse 12, what's happened? My people, your guides have led you astray. It's the leaders have turned you from the path. You're meant to be walking this path in the light of the Lord, and your leaders have turned you away from the path. They're, crucially, the ones to blame. And as I say, the New Testament would say, James 3, other places, it is the leaders who are taken, or who are judged more seriously, judged more severely. And so, woe to you if you're in a position of leadership and you arrogantly trust yourself rather than the Word of God, and you think in the 21st century you know better than the Word of God. Woe to you, says Isaiah. When you had ordained um, in the Church of England, historically, it's not always the case now, uh, you'd say these words. We may have them come up on the screen. And um, we always read them here when someone's commissioned to become an elder. Just a reminder, here's leadership of God's church, have always therefore printed in your remembrance how great a treasure is committed to your charge if you're becoming an elder, a minister. For God's people are the sheep of Christ which he bought with his death and for whom he shed his blood. The church and congregation whom you must serve is his spouse and his body. And if it shall happen that the same church or any member suffers hurt or hindrance by reason of your negligence, you know the greatness of the fault. And also the horrible punishment that will ensue. Well, they're quite serious words because they're meant to be. The Lord says, in a church, I bought the sheep with the blood of Jesus Christ. How dare you neglect them or lead them astray off the path? How dare you turn them away from the scriptures? How dare you? How dare you silence the voice of the Bible because you think you know better in the 21st century. You know judgment is coming upon you. Oof. I'll do as I'm told, Lord. So look for you and for me, anyone, leading any sort of discipleship group or leaders especially. It's pretty sobering, isn't it? We want all church leaders to take this seriously because godless leaders will be humbled. Okay, human pride, that'll be humbled in general. Godless leaders in particular, uh, they'll be humbled. Um, chapter 3, 16 to 4, 1, self-indulgent ladies will be humbled. I think here the Judah is personified as a woman. The, the issue is... Self-indulgence, you're obsessed with superficial appearance. So verse 16, the Lord says, the women of Zion are haughty, walking along with outstretched necks, flirting with their eyes, strutting along with swaying hips. And what's going to happen? Verse 18, the Lord will stretch, snatch away their finery. It's the same picture again. Human pride humbled. So three times in different ways, pride is humbled. Generally, of the leaders, if you're obsessed with appearance and self-indulgence and just about pampering yourself, You'll be humbled. But, last thing to say, verses, chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. The tone changes completely, and God's people will be beautiful. Chapter 4, verse 2. In that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. That day, well, it turns out in the Bible, that's more than one day. There's a day in history, um, about a hundred decade or so later from this, 734-ish BC, while well, Judah is invaded. There's another day when judgment falls upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and you can trust in him. And there's a final day when this world is wrapped up, and those who have trusted in Christ go to be beautiful, which is the picture here, with God in heaven. Uh, and those who have never trusted in him, well, they... Face the, the rocks falling. But you get three beautiful pictures here. And they're really essentially all pictures of heaven, I guess you'd say. So there's a, a fruitful land, verse 2. The fruit of the land will be the pride and glory of the survivors in Israel. The branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. It makes me think in our garden, in our house, what have we been there I mean, almost a decade? There's a clematis. It has never flowered. It is very leafy, it is never flat. Apparently you need to, this particular breed, you need its that's not the right word, is it? Species, thank you. Um, you need to um, prune it in February, whoever remembers to do such a thing in February. One year, one year I will remember in February, and come the summer it will be glorious. This branch that has never given me anything but frustration will be glorious. That's the picture. The Lord says, one day my people will be utterly... Beautiful. There's a fruitful land. There's a holy city, verses 3 and 4. They were left in, those who are left in Zion, who remain in Jerusalem, will be called holy, who are recorded among the living in Jerusalem. The Lord will wash away the filth of the women of Zion, he will cleanse the bloodstains from Jerusalem by a spirit of judgment and a spirit of fire. Filthy. Various days this week, cycling home from work in the pouring rain, and the, everything's flooded, and so it's not just water, it's mud and crud all over your face, and you get home, and you (laughs) you peel your clothes off, and you finally get in the shower, and you go, ah. And that's the picture, clean, clean, morally clean. How wonderful to experience that sort of cleansing morally. Every flash of anger, every unworthy thought washed away, every frustrating memory of guilt cleansed from you. Wonderful. A fruitful land, a holy city. And this last picture, verses five and six, the protection of glory. Then the Lord will create over all of Mount Zion, over those who assemble there, a cloud of smoke by day and a glow of flaming fire by night. Over everything, the glory will be a canopy. It will be a shelter and shade from the heat of the day and a refuge and hiding place from the storm and rain. And recalling the, 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 the pillar of cloud and fire that led Israel through the wilderness, God's guidance upon them. But here it's better because verse 5, the, the, the pillar of fire and cloud in Exodus onwards, it really is just there over God's throne, the, the ark of the covenant. Now verse 5, this glory covers everything and every. One. So again, Thursday morning this week, seven a.m. Dark. It's getting dark, isn't it? Very miserable. And um, it was just rain coming down. Uh, but I, you know, I've got to be in for a Bible study here. And um, so just cycling through the rain. Uh, and there's that point where just, the puddles are so big, you just sort of, oh, get off. I'm just getting off and going on the pavement. It's just miserable. It's just you know, three minutes into the journey, soaked. And then uh, there's one point in my journey, I have to go under the railway. And so there's about 20 seconds I'm going through a tunnel of ah. Uh, and then uh, comes down to you again. I found myself thinking, oh, I wish I could take the tunnel with me. Of course, that may have inconvenienced the other passengers on the roads. But um, just to be able to cycle with protection over me rather than this on my head and getting, you know, that would be lovely. Well, it's a picture, of course. Verse 6 the Lord will be a refuge from the storm and the rain. It's just a picture. When is this day of beauty and glory? Well, in part, it's now. Christians know that judgment fell upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and now his church, his people can bear fruit, be a holy people, know the Lord's protection upon us. But it is ultimately a picture of the future of heaven. A picture like Revelation 21, God's glory is everywhere, not contained. Just wherever you go, it's wonderful. You can't escape beauty, fruitfulness, glory, safety. You're surrounded. And so Isaiah 2, 3 into 4 would say, well, the headline is chapter 2, verse 22. Stop. Trusting in mere humans who have but a breath in their nostrils. Why hold them in esteem? Why hold yourself in esteem? Uh, but when life is good, we can ignore his words. So for some of us, well, some of us perhaps hear this, hear these words, and we sit here and we give thanks. Uh, we think, golly, I was an arrogant so-and-so and I became a Christian. <laughs> I, I trusted that the, the Lord Jesus Christ, he, was, he endured the wrath of God or the language here, the fearful presence of the Lord upon the cross. And now I, well, I hide myself in him, as we'll sing in a moment. I hide myself in the cleft that is Jesus Christ so that I don't suffer the fearful presence of God upon me. And we give thanks. And perhaps others of us, we think, well, I've never done that. I'm still working out what I make of all this. And then others still may say, well, I wonder. I wonder, actually, I live my life often in functional independence. I have weeks without worship and days without prayer, and I trust myself. And I come on a Sunday and I think, oh, yeah, I'm meant to trust the Lord. And then I trust myself. In which case, go back again to the Lord Jesus Christ. Go back again to him. Return again to the one cleft for you. Because he's the only place of safety. Stop trusting in mere humans. They have but a breath in their nostrils. Why would you esteem them? Let's pray together. Our great God and Father, here is a a verse that we need to keep saying to ourselves. To stop trusting in mere humans like us. Because often in life, Father, we can, we're competent. We can handle so much. We can achieve so much. We can guarantee tomorrow quite well. And yet there are times when we cannot. Father, would you gently humble us now before the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, rather than being forced to be humbled more dramatically? Would you gently humble us? Would we be those who remember that we don't trust in ourselves, will we be those who know that one day all will stand before the fearful presence of the Lord. But if we've trusted in Christ, that day will be a joy to us. Not a day of fear, but a day of celebration. As you right all wrongs, as the arrogant are humbled. But Father, thank you that we'll only be able to stand because of him. And so in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.